0: Modularity in Healthcare Construction, episode number 62. Folks, we took this week off from a regular publication of Healthcare 360 as we enter into the holiday season, but this is the first follow-up deep dive in what we're going to bring to our new Thursday publication and what that will be and what this will look like. So, let's build on today's topic as a continuation of my conversation with University of Miami Health Systems Value Analysis Executive Director, Nate Ewing. As you all remember, there was a specific point in my conversation during episode number 59, when Nate referenced modularity in healthcare, specifically modular wall panels. Nate referred to lessons learned from his role as a driving force in the planning for and coordination of the Mount Sinai Medical Center's new seven-story Schnolnik Surgical Tower and 34,000-square-foot Hilliburn Emergency Center in Miami, Florida. Simultaneous projects totaling over $275 million. This conversation was so insightful, and I wanted to expand on this idea personally and show how this forward thinking will benefit all of us in healthcare from a patient-consumer point of view, as well as a healthcare executive leadership level. So, let's review a little bit. A lot of great questions asked, a lot of great dialogue that happened during that episode with Nate, but... Let's remember the more practicality and what really is involved and what's really going on behind the scenes. And in this episode, I will explain specifically what is going on at every step of the way. So you have a better understanding of how this is going to impact you, the patient consumer, or the healthcare administrator who's looking to spend $4 million on a new project. This month, we celebrate our one-year anniversary here at Healthcare 360, And the best way you can help us celebrate is to share this podcast and provide some feedback. We see the downloads and we see the subscriber list and nearly half of you still, our listener base is still not subscribed. So hit the pause button, hit that subscribe button, and let's go. Also, if you hadn't had a chance to visit our YouTube page, head on over there as well. Hit subscribe, hit like, notification bell, you know the drill, as we release brand new videos every Monday and now every Thursday to go along with the audio. If you have any suggestions or would like to share your thoughts on Healthcare 360, be sure to reach out by email at Burgess at e. or leave a podcast review at scotteburges.com. As always, we want to thank you for being here. We want to thank you for being part of the best and brightest. And we also want to make sure that you know how much we appreciate you, the 360 Nation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Healthcare 360 Special Edition. As I've been saying in my pre-podcast dialogue and monologue, Every Monday, and soon every Thursday, we'll be doing more episodes. And guess what? The more episodes is going to be me. A little more of a deep dive or more specific discussion points and a follow-up to that Monday's release. We're getting a lot of questions, and I believe that it's going to serve our best and brightest, you, our audience, to do that. And this is the product of that, and it's only going to get better from here. I wish you and yours a happy Thanksgiving, a happy holidays, and please be safe. There's so much to look forward to, and there's so much opportunity out there. I know sometimes the the spirit of the holiday season kind of catches us all off guard. Just be present. Definitely look forward to it. Today, we're going to discuss something that Nate Ewan in episode 59 talked about, which was modular buildings.
1: This is one of the things that I really wish we would have done. You introduced me to a company, the stainless steel panels. Oh, the modular buildings. Yeah. I wish we would have done it. I wish we would have done it. Lesson learned, right? Yeah. Um, when you look towards the end, right? And when we're going through doing punch out and, oh, wait, we need a monitor up here for whatever it was yeah. at the time. Mm-hmm. If you and Ben Riestra didn't introduce it to me. It would have never would been have a concept. Right. Yeah. And and we didn't know that it was out there. And you know, we had done tons of site visits to different organizations around the country to be able to see their new construction yep. and other construction that allowed for different workflow.
0: I called the Get Out of Jail free card. How many times did we have an add-on? Right. We didn't miss it. It was just an add-on. And if the sheet rocks up, now you're cutting it.
1: And Shutting the OR down for at least three days. Minimum. minimum. Right, right.
0: And then you have to run the car, everything. I would say it's at least six to 10 days versus
1: a day. Right, right. And I wish we would have done it. We didn't. But it
0: was also late too in the process. I mean, it was was an added cost. that wasn't built in. It wasn't budgeted. You know, et cetera. So modular buildings and modular ORs inside healthcare. Big topic. Frustrating topic as well for me personally. So as a consultant in healthcare, there are, and I've been watching this for a long period of time, and I remember back with one of my previous companies, they had a product category that specifically was able to adjust things on the fly. Let's put it into this perspective for for a second. Let's say your significant other, your mom, whomever, they want to build a kitchen. It's the kitchen of their dreams. And then they find out that once the kitchen is complete and the project is over and the contractor is about to walk out the door the electrical outlets or the light switches aren't exactly in the right place. And it makes it really inconvenient. And it was one of those head scratches we are saying, really? Who would put it there? Modular buildings, specifically in healthcare, avoid all that. So let's put perspective out there like this. You have clinical environments such as the intensive care unit, Operating rooms, hybrid rooms, cath labs, GI labs, emergency spaces, patient bays, any clinical environment or patient environment within a hospital needs to have what we call a modular building or modular panels, modular ceilings, et cetera. And there's a wide range of why you would want to do that. But more specifically, it's what I call the get out of jail free card for anyone who works in healthcare who's in charge or responsible for those projects. There's a lot of detail that goes into, and I'm going to show a quick slide here. And in this slide, you're going to see that this is a, a typical layout of CAD drawing, what they call an RCP. This RCP is a reflective ceiling plan, and this is produced from an architect to scale. And you'll see here that on the left, it should be a detailed equipment list. And then as you'll pay attention to the two columns above the image, you'll notice that that is what we call a conduit schedule. So from the start point to the end point, there's a piece of metal that runs from those two areas, and they allow cables, cabling, to be pulled from a start point to an end point. And that scenario could be a computer to another piece of equipment inside the room that a physician or a clinical team member may need. In the healthcare environment, specifically with contractors, here's what happens. And Let me back up for a minute. Hospital determines that there's a need. They need to develop a new hybrid suite or operating rooms or even sterile processing, which is how they disinfect all their reusable sterile equipment. They will put an inquiry to an architect. Hey, what would it take to rebuild, to repurpose, to reallocate resources to this one particular department? architect will come back he'll do a needs analysis and he'll say okay you're going to need x y and z fair enough the hospital then determines that hey this is feasible this is something that we do need and our roi will be x okay so let's say it's a two-year roi maybe a three-year maybe even longer than that depending if they finance or non-finance it now they put out what they call an rfp request for proposal and they put that out to a general contractor There's usually a round of five in every healthcare facility. That round of five allows everyone to properly bid where it's not going to be a gimme. Your uncle or whomever is not going to automatically get the business over and over and over again. So they try to make it a repetitive cycle that's repeatable where they're sharing business. That goes along with the planners and the architects as well. Once the contractor gets the original bid, they can start moving forward and demo and build out. But before they do that, now they need to pick the vendor partners. These are the third-party companies that come in and supply their pieces of equipment and everything that they need. What's unique about this is the architect typically, I don't want to generalize too much, but typically is not clinical. They don't have expertise They have maybe a lot of drawing sets or or years of experience where they followed it, but they're not upkeeping with every individual vendor and how their technology is changing and reshaping what healthcare is going to look like. What they do is what they call dropping in typicals. So they'll take the old RCP drop, what is outfitted to look like that particular vendor's piece of equipment, just to hold the space that something's going to be representative there contractor is now going to get that document and they're going to say, okay, well, we have company X and they're going to provide one, two, three down the list. No problem. What they don't know at this time is what the minimum requirements are, the contract runs, the power, et cetera. They may have like a, a small list of things, but nothing specific because no one's been there selected yet. So here's what happens. Architects hired, puts out an RCP plan or a general overview of what that new department OR clinical space patient environment is going to look like. It gets approved, then it moves forward for an RFP to a contractor, and that contractor now is accepted the award after a bid, and they're saying, okay, here's our scope of work based on that RFP proposal. Mind you, that RFP is incomplete. It's at best 85% done as far as all the details that are in there. Typically, what I find is that somewhere sub 80% realistically, but I'm trying to be generous here. What happens from this point on moving forward, now the vendors come in and they're going to say, okay, give us the site-specific drawings, and we will now drop in the current and the selected equipment of choice from the clinical users. Now we can start outfitting the room, and now the drawings become closer to that 100% mark. The problem is now moving backwards is the contractor put out a bid, an RFP, and a dollar amount based on an original scope of work. An original scope of work that did not encompass any changes at all. At all. With what may be the latest and greatest in technology that the hospital is looking for. So then you get the procurement process during the PO phase the hospital may or may not put in a technology clause saying, hey, you will release the latest and greatest. And then comes the contingency planning to make sure. Going to the overall budget of things with the contractor, they usually put in a reserve or a contingency for change orders, etc. They'll put in what they call like an RFI request for information because no one has an x-ray vision where they can see through walls, ceilings, floors, doors, etc. So at this point, What's happening is there's contingencies out there, there's what-ifs, there's how-comes, and there's oversight protection. What that does is that drives up the cost of the project. If someone has a slush fund, if you will, of $200,000 or $150,000 in that range for change orders and oversights, that's a lot of money. Think about that. If you're doing Five projects at $250,000 contingency per project, okay? You're well over a million dollars. A million dollars, that's a lot of money. The proper way of doing this would be to send your latest and greatest during the discovery phase or what they call the inquiry phase when they just hired the architect. And, And we avoid all this mess coming forward. Let's say that doesn't happen. Let's say that no one considers that. They think they have the latest and greatest in CADs and the equipment selection that may be considered and then eventually installed and then used by the users. That's simply not the case. So, the only other option to have is really to go with a modular solution. The problem with modular technology today, specifically in buildings, is a very, very slow adoption rate from leadership in hospitals. Frankly, in my opinion, it's their greatest, most grave mistake that they're making. And let me give you an example of this. Every hybrid room, and let me describe a hybrid OR. So you have an operating room where you have surgery, elective surgery. If you have a gallbladder taken out, maybe a total knee, a total hip, total shoulder, spine surgery, et cetera. But now, let's say we add the interventional or imaging component to that as well, where they can do Tavars and open heart in the same room. The rooms are really dynamic and they're really, really versatile. They offer full utilization of any clinical procedure that you need. What it does for the hospital is outstanding. It offers an opportunity for them to do not only the the highest end diagnostic and interventional work that technology can deliver and that our best and brightest can deliver as well, it also offers them the flexibility when that room is not in use to fix an ankle. Deliver a baby, back surgery, shoulder surgery, etc. That way, a room is never down, not being able to be used. So at the current rate right now, between $75 to $90 an hour, and that's being conservative. In some cases, depending on what geography of the country you're in, sometimes it's in excess of $200 an hour. You can see where time is money, and it makes a difference. So moving back forward now to the modular OR and the modular patient spaces in general, the only other way you can really do this is to have removable vertical wall panels and also removable or adjustable ceilings as well. What's happening right now, and I'm going to speak on a couple different fronts here, from a patient consumer perspective, if it was me, I simply ask When's the last time you updated your ORs? Do you have the latest and greatest technology? Do I require the latest and greatest technology? How sterile is it? How up-to-date is it? You don't want to go anywhere where it's not sterile. It's not a clean environment here. We have equipment that's close to its end of life. You don't want that. That just causes for potential complications. You don't want that. But let's jump forward for a second. Let's say you're the physician. You don't want to be held in the litigation either. You want a clean, smooth, easygoing, predictable surgical case so you have great outcomes for your patient. Jump forward even more, now you go to hospital leadership in what we call the C-suite, more COO, CIO level, so chief operating officer or chief information officer, who are the two primary leadership members of a hospital administrative team that are usually leading the pack. CEOs overseeing the general business and for fundraising for all kinds of purposes. They want full utilization where they have positive flow, money, where they're making money all day in that room. The hybrid OR is estimated to cost anywhere between, on a low end, three and a half to a high end of, uh, let's say, $4.8 million for one room, for one space. That's a lot to consider. The get-out-of-jail-free card for the hospital administrative leadership team is modular buildings. If there's oversights, if there's upgrades, if there's any potentiality for future advancement of that space, because let's be real, I mean, if a hospital is going to stay current, that room is not current after six years. Six years. You're spending $4 million dollars on one space and you're irrelevant in six years seems pretty excessive how do they improve on that how do they make sure they protect their investment and then again it is modular buildings so modular ceilings floors doors walls scrub sinks warmers any other modality that's in there where everything is easily accessible you can get back into the wall back into the ceiling in next to no time Update. Fulfill where your oversights were, and then close it back up. Let's put this in a real perspective. Let's say you have two rooms. Room A, over here, your typical stick, sheetrock, contractor-based, spackle paint, etc. Okay, and then on this side, over here, you have your modular OR. During the construction process, you realize that, oh, oh my gosh, I absolutely miss to include for conduits. And that can be from the contractor side, the architect side, the vendor of choice side, even the hospital side from the facilities or ops of planning and engineering. If you have a stick-built sheetrock type of scenario over here, you have to cut. You now have to rerun those lines, those conduit or the missing elements to that OR space. And then you have to put the sheetrock back in, spackle, paint, and finish. Your room is down anywhere from three weeks plus. Plus, you have dust everywhere. You have dust everywhere, which is supposed to be a clean, sterile environment. It's crazy. Crazy to think about that. On the other end, you have a modular building. You have a modular vertical panel, and you have a modular ceiling as well. Now all you do is simply remove the panel, take the bolts off that's holding on the sides, Simply get back into the wall, no problem, and to the ceiling, and to all the infrastructure. When we talk about the MEP, that is your med gas, electrical, and plumbing that all go to different various points of the room, you have re-access to the MEP plan in the ceiling, as well as the, all the additional conduits and the mounts that they run to, the laminar flow, etc. So you can see here automatically where the a consumer, if you're choosing an OR that doesn't have this type of a space, you're not getting the latest and greatest. They can say that you are, but you're not. I'm telling you right now that you're not. Administratively, clinically, and surgically, this is the only way to guarantee that your ROI on a brand new project is protected 100%. Not only will you be current after six years, you're probably going to be current for the next 15 on the same original investment. Now, this doesn't mean you're not, let's say it's an imaging vendor. Let's say it's uh, one of the big guys like uh, Siemens, Philips, GE, Canon, or Shimatsu. Yeah, maybe after eight years, nine years, when that product hits end of life, that you'll have to replace that product as well. But again, you can still get reaccess. And based on what the overall gross difference is between the original that was purchased to what it has to be upgraded to, that's where the difference is. Things to consider as we're closing this off. And I want to thank Nate Ewan again in episode number 59 in our discussion. And
1: these are a lot of the topics that he and I went through. Think about it. It really goes back to something very simple. The panels. If you want to move forward, you can move forward with anything. Just pop the panel out, pop the new panel in with the new monitor and everything else, and and you move forward. And now you're not having to destroy all your infrastructure and everything else and have downtime and everything else. It's really staying agile and being able to move with the technology because it's moving very quickly.
0: Not having modularity is the greatest miss right now hospital administrators are making. Point blank period, there is zero argument. I may have people that disagree. By all means, you are entitled to that opinion. But when you're spending $4 million and you cannot go in and simply add a conduit without shutting your room down for two to three weeks, and I'm being nice there where I'm saying two or three weeks, you're wasting your money and you're wasting your time. And on top of that, the additional work-life balance stress load that you're doing to the clinical members who are actually working in that space day in and day out goes exponentially high and through the roof because now they have to find a new patient space to displace where those other cases should be happening but are not. So now what do you do there? Again, some things to consider here. Takeaways, patient-consumer, patient-consumer. You should be asking your physicians and your doctors, if you have elective-based surgeries coming up, how current are you? When's the last time there was updates? What are the new techniques? How old is that particular space? It matters. It really does matter. Because if they're not doing a proper, let's say, cleaning, and look, I've been in the healthcare business for a long, long time, environmental does their best, okay? But they're asked to turn over rooms in 14, 15 minutes. There's no way that you're going to get all the dust and all the particulates. All their cleaning is around the patient bed and the lights for that matter, and that's the truth. So you need to find out the sterility, what the infection rate is, et cetera. Now, at the same time, leadership, hospital leadership, clinical, you need to go to modular buildings. I know, for example, there's, especially in New York City, they've been talking about this a lot, a technology called blocks and their ICU bathrooms that have been used. Now for quite a bit, and they've shown exponential increases in time. When you're looking at a typical stick-built type of uh, clinical space and patient environment, that usually has a build-out time or a Gantt schedule, and that's a construction schedule, of 90 to 120 days. That's the allot of time that you're allotting your contractor to work to get the project from demo to completion. When you do the modular building, Everything is pre-engineered, pre-manufactured, pre-arranged, and coordinated. The install is half the time at best. Half the time. I can tell you from my experience, you can get an OR or even a hybrid theater up. Uh, Let's be fair and say it's 100 days from a general contract for stick-built. A brand new hybrid OR, hybrid theater in 60 days or less. Do the math. If you get your ROI on the days saved in between, let's say it's EP. Right now, EP is pulling anywhere between $38,000 to $52,000 a case. And you run in three to four cases a day, three times a week. It's usually more than that, but again, I'm being conservative. All the premiums pay for themselves. It just makes complete sense. I'm Scott Burgess. Look into those details. I'd uh, love to hear the questions and some feedback. Happy Thanksgiving from both Michelle and I, and we can't wait to see you for the next one. We have an unbelievable vlog of guests coming in for the end of 2020 and going into 2021. We're going to be diving into holotropic breathing and what that does to the body and how it releases anxiety and depression and how to stay away from pharmaceuticals for that matter. We have Joe Mullins coming on the show. He's going to be talking about what the new trends and what what's really happening in healthcare, especially. And I know at, the, at least at this time, at this video, on this podcast, there is no official winner of the presidential election outside of the media. The states have not signed off and certified their voting and their ballots. What would a Biden presidency look like, and what's going to happen there versus the Trump administration? So that's going to be an interesting topic, especially around the R&D, and what's going to happen in the medical excise tax that was in place during uh, the Obama administration, and then was since removed once Donald Trump became president thereafter, and that was over $20 billion of excise tax. That's going to be a really interesting topic as well, and what's going to happen to our healthcare insurance, um, accessibility, et cetera. The last one uh, I want to talk about is Dr. Tom Cohen. He is deep dove, I mean, deep, deep dove into the COVID topic. He's been on national TV shows, big time podcasts as well. And we're lucky to get him on the show. And I'm really, really honored to have him on his depth and, and expertise. Former emergency trauma surgeon. He's going to come in and just drop a bomb on what we think is real versus what's not. So uh, that's another interesting as well. Thank you again. See you next time. Major takeaway, look into modularity. I have more information that I can provide, so please contact me personally, and we can continue this conversation, and I can provide you the information that you're looking for. If you like Healthcare 360 and enjoyed this conversation, give this podcast a share, and don't forget to write a review. It really helps out the show. Oh, and before I forget, Head on over to YouTube, we can watch the entire podcast in its entirety, as well as many short clip deep dives when you're on the move. Thanks again, this is Scott Burgess, and from all of us with the Healthcare 360 team, we'll see you for next week's episode, number 63. As always, thank you for being here, Happy Thanksgiving, and thank you for being a part of the 360 Nation. See you next time.